shoot 38% from downtown. Here comes LBJ! <laughs> Look out! Oh, the crowd on their feet. That's what they came to see. Kawhi Leonard! Oh! Tatum drives George right there. Tatum gets a wide open look and knocks it down! Jason Tatum ties the game! Six seconds left in overtime. The Nets down by one. Irving lost his footing, regathers, <laughs> fires off the mark at the horn, and the Timberwolves win it in overtime. On a night where Kyrie Irving scored 50 points in his Nets debut. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Blank Screen Basketball Podcast. My name is Patrice Gordon. Um, this is episode six. Hope you're all doing well. And um, in case you haven't heard this before or you're just catching up for the first time, uh, my name is Patrice Gordon. Um, I run a website called blankscreenbooks.com. Um, there we have different bios of basketball players such as Kevin Durant, Dwayne Wade, Luka Doncic, and various others, including Giannis. Um, and yeah, it's just kind of a, a weekly recap just on where the basketball universe is and the state of affairs and things that are going on in the basketball world as we know. As you know, and as I've been reporting each week, that obviously the coronavirus and COVID-19 has taken over pretty much the landscape of everything. Everyone's on lockdown. There's been no events. You know, people just currently just finally starting to get to training. So the kind of main aim of the podcast is to give you kind of weekly updates on where we are, to see how things are developing, different quotes from other people, other pundits, other people talking about what's been happening and what different changes have been happening in the basketball spectrum around the world. So let's kind of start with the NBA in particular because that's kind of my favourite area kind of conversation and not much has changed really um, Adam Silva's kind of spoken about a grim financial update and talking about how things are really looking bad because obviously the NBA is losing TV money as well as um, the people going to the actual readers to watch the games it's, it's reported that up to 60% of the team's revenue does come from people attending the games which I find a bit kind of strange to be honest but I feel like obviously they're losing their money you know they play 42 games at home at least um, and yeah or yeah, well, 41 games and yeah it's, it's a big financial loss isn't it obviously you've got players to play players are, are going to be given some IOUs and you know the situation is just not looking really promising in the NBA um, I was just on the ESPN the other day um, and the commissioner said he held a call with the members of the Basketball Players Association that addressed several topics. Um, they they do not have to make a decision on restarting the season as May turns into June, obviously, when soon coming. And um, he said the pressures of the players' concerns, you know, by teams, tell them to return to volunteer workouts and at the various facilities, but players like me and you are very nervous about going to different places where the coronavirus is potentially being spread. You know, there's um, other p- potential bubble sites, um, but there's possibility with their fans attending the arenas and different kind of games. Um, Adam Silver also mentioned about the collective bargaining agreement, said it wasn't really built for an extended pandemic as well. So the Basketball Players Association, you know, they haven't really got much leg to stand on because they haven't really discussed this or really pre-warned about it just like most of us you know we no one really saw this coming or foreseen it so everyone's in a kind of a, a, a limbo state of affairs do we return do we go back you know you know what really can you do you know there's gonna be limited contact there's gonna be 
you know, no, no fans in the arena. Everyone's going to be keen and waiting. Um, here's a little clip from Adam Silver. Adam Silver talking about it. And um, have a listen to his thoughts. Adam Silver was, was pretty candid with the players this afternoon on that call. Uh, talking to them about the res possible resumption of play this season and, and what the future might hold. But, but in the short term, you know, Adam Silver talked about a one or two site model uh, where players would go uh, if the season were to resume. No decision on resuming the season likely any time in May and even well or into June at the very least that that the league believes they have time. He, he left open very much the possibility that regardless of whether this season is played, uh, that next season could start sometime in December. And he painted a, a potentially grim financial uh, future in this player-owner league relationship, you know, based on lost revenue and no guarantees next year about, about how quickly and, and, and how fully arenas will be able to return with fans in them. Well, let's take it a step further. I think this is the big concern and question is out there with all of pro sports returning. It's inevitable that, that someone, one individual, probably a couple, will test positive at some point. Is there a contingency plan for that in the NBA once play starts, whenever that might be? Uh, uh, Steve, Silver talked about an idea that, that he said he had actually had a conversation about with Rob Manford, the baseball commissioner, the other day, but that if a player were to test positive in the resumption of a season, that they can't—what won't work is having to shut everything down, uh, pull the team out, have to end a series. That if they're going to return to play, the, the belief is they'd have to be at a point where the player would be removed from the team, treated individually, and there's going to be mass testing going on among everybody within a team or within a potential bubble environment, and then you would deal with it uh, with those who remain. But the, the league, but the, the league certainly believes that it's not a model that could go forward this season. You know, if they'd have to shut down with a positive test, because I think the expectation is, uh, no matter how well you think you can isolate players and and control the environment, you're going to have positive tests. Well, was last thing, so with the excitement of two-team facilities opening up, there was some talk that are teams potentially pressuring players from other franchises maybe to come back to work. Did you hear any of that, and, and was that addressed on the phone call? That was addressed with Adam Silver. It was brought to him by Chris Paul, who's the uh, president of the Players Association, and, and told them that there was a sense among the rank and file that some teams were pressuring players to come back for these voluntary workouts. Adam Silver used the word, uh, if it were true, disheartening, and that he would remind teams that uh, these are voluntary workouts and, and nothing is mandatory uh, about returning to play until the league decides that they're going to make a formal return to play. Okay, yeah, off the back of that, um, you know, I was just reading <clears throat> about Kevin Love and the Cleveland Cavaliers going back, you know, training, and they talked about, you know, reopening the facility being really kind of weird but at the same time also being uplifting you know they also talked about it's the longest they've gone without shooting as well so players being professional really keen to kind of get back in and keep shooting keep their kind of body movement warm and keep it you know just keep it going really um so i think what i've seen or what i've seen from the cleveland cavaliers in particular and i think other teams like portland trailblazers have been doing it 
but they've only had four players within the whole gym facility itself just because they're trying to be aware of social distancing and the like um the person passing them the ball has to wear a mask and gloves you know each player they say there's like six six or four basketball kind of hoops around the court you know each player takes one they don't do any one-on-ones yet they're just shooting just getting their body loose getting their body warm you know just getting prepared in case the season returns but you know, it's it's one of the weird scenarios where it kind of seems unlikely and it seems a bit weird, but these are professionals and they've got to get back into the swing of it. You know, I think if you're looking at football in, in Germany recently, they played in closed doors and players had a game and whatnot, but yeah, there was no fans. It was really empty, really dire. So who knows what's going to change or what's going to happen. But I think the NBA in particular, they really need the fans because the fans seem to make it what it is. So... We'll see what happens there. Um, looking at the BBL, British Basketball League, you know, as mentioned last time, um, weekly meetings are being held with clubs to review proposals from the board to share best practice and covering a wide range of issues arises, arising out of the impact of the crisis. There's no much uncertainty, so the clubs are kind of discussing specific options, but um, who knows what's coming out of it. Similar, um, I think they're going to make a call whether they're going to shut down this season and just focus on the next one. Um, obviously it's a shame for all the teams that participated for those that had good streaks and even those that had bad ones but again you know with coronavirus lingering high in everyone's mind it's kind of best to kind of wait for things to die down if they do that is the kind of big question you know oh what else is going on so look at FIBA and um, there's different things happening we, I spoke about you know Jeremy Ling last week going back to practice in China um, there's other teams that are kind of preparing some teams are going to training, but again, not much kind of contact. Everyone being cautious, everyone being aware. Um, it's it's very hard, you know, and it's hard to kind of put a finger on exactly what the next steps are. Um, I've got one story in particular. The FIBA has um, confirmed rescheduling the FIBA Olympic qualifying tournaments to be played from the end of June to July 2021. So that's a big kind of step there because obviously that was due to happen kind of ASAP this year. Um, and then the finals of those tournaments will take place in the Tokyo Olympic Games. Fingers crossed that goes ahead, which will happen from July and August 2021. So, you know, people just preparing and moving things back, rescheduling, a lot of kind of sensible kind of decisions being made. But yeah, it's really kind of hard to kind of determine exactly what is the best move. Um, so, I mean... on. Also, else on the basketball spectrum, Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson, high on the agenda. Um, Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson's former marketing agent has several requests for admission that in their lawsuit asking him to admit that he received money, benefits, favours or other things of value to attend Duke University and to wear and to use Nike and Adidas. Oh, it's interesting. For someone who went number one, you know, obviously he's going to have a lot of people kind of chasing him, chasing that money. He's signed with the Jordan brand. Um, he's doing well for the New Orleans Pelicans. But yeah, Zion Williamson. Ooh, I mean, this is not. A, this is a big sting to the pay packet indeed, especially when he hasn't completed the season. So, you know, according to um, CBS News, um, Zion Williamson's former marketing agency alleged that the family of the former Duke star um, had taken money you know, from certain shoe companies and certain allegations talking about different things that encouraged him to sign with Duke and things, blah, blah. 
you know, it's a crazy time and um, it's a five-page request um, filed by the plaintiffs asking Williamson to admit that his mother and stepfather demanded and received gifts, money or other benefits from persons acting on behalf of Duke directly or indirectly to influence you to attend Duke to play basketball. I mean, this is not even about stepping to the NBA, you know, it's just, it's kind of crazy. Um, I think the, the amount seems really crazy, but when you're dealing with former agents, I think thing to be very key of to be very aware of is that they're only after the money you know um some have best interests at heart but ultimately it's about the money making sure that they're supported and that their business keeps on growing and keeps on running um so any kind of decisions that people make within your camp you have to be ultra careful that the agent is either aware or that they support it or you know, because once you move on and decide to go to bigger aspects, that little small agent that you once had, they'll keep coming back. Um, it's just part of the game, part of the business, part of the learning growth. But Zion Williamson, this is a big thing to hang over his head. I, I believe this has been happening for about 10 months now. So it's been kept quiet, kept hush. But at some point, you know, I think the agency, they're going to keep coming, keep pushing. And they're just focusing on the money, you know. And whether it takes Zion Williamson 10 years to pay it off, that's what they're going to go for. And that's what they're going to aim for. They just want to get it cleared. And, you know, it's, it's a shame, really, you know, because I'm sure they made some money from Zion Williamson. But in this business, you know, especially players, a young guy, 18, 19 years old when he went to Duke, you know, they don't really care. Just looking at the bottom line and making sure that they're supported and they're fine. Sure, Zion Williamson would be fine. You know, he may be an NBA All-Star when it's all said and done. But again, it's about someone who's going to be hurt by the business. You know, it's going to make him a cold person. Um, and you know, I mean, you know, we've all seen Michael Jordan in the last dance and how acutely aware he was of people and press and business and stuff like that. But sometimes I think a lot of players they still have that emotional attachment just to the game. And once the business becomes too much involved, it takes away from their performance. But with Zion Williamson, Zion Williamson, let's wait and see. So interesting times. And yeah, just to kind of speak about the last dance, obviously, I'm watching it like you guys are every other two weeks or every week. It comes on, finding out each, you know, two episodes that they show. And um, it's kind of good to see. I think the one last one I watched was Michael Jordan in the Olympics. We took on the Knicks, which kind of took her from the Detroit Pistons as his kind of nemesis. Michael Jordan going to work, Scottie Pippen stepping up and good things like that. I think, you know, as watching it, I think we like the way it goes from different years to kind of building his story. And I think the last one I watched was where he kind of returned after giving baseball a go. And I think most people thought he stopped baseball because he wasn't good enough. I think one of the owners of the boss of the, of, I think it was the Red Sox, I think, um, said that Michael Jordan was really good. Um, but because of the lockout that happened, you know, he didn't want to be sitting around twiddling his thumb. So obviously he decided to go back, play some basketball. He still got it. And he went back, joined the Chicago Bulls again and gave them, you know, hope. And I think him losing in the playoffs ignited that fire, in particular because Horace Grant had gone to the Orlando Magic and Michael Jordan was keen to come back, he got the team back together, he's slapping Steve Kerr, and all kinds of drama was going on, but it gave them that edge, that focus, I think they won 72 games one season, and you know, Jordan, you know, in his heat, in his prime, he's like 30, 31, the guy looked good, you know, he wasn't slamming like he was even in his young spot, but his jump shot looked fluid, he looked tight, he looked like he could just go where he wanted to go on the court, and you know, for a shooting guard, it's quite hard to do that, but Jordan took it to another level, so, it's quite interesting. Um, I was watching this interview ESPN with Mike Greenberg. We spoke about it on his show, Get Up, and um, have a little listen. I just wonder, 
as you look back at that last night, I thought it was fascinating that Jordan said he was quite upset, it seems, that you beat him out for MVP that regular season. That gave him additional motivation to win the championship that year head-to-head -head against you. What was your reaction when you heard him say that? Well, you know, the MVP always goes to the guy who had the best regular season. I had the best regular season. Uh, we had the best record in the NBA. Obviously, Michael was a better player than me. But that year, during the regular season, I, was, I played better than he did. You know what I've, I've always said, because people will compare the two three-peat teams. And so as we look at the 93 final, the team that you played against, I've always said the first three-peat team was the better team. Because in the second time around, Michael Jordan was the best player in the league. The first time around, Michael Jordan was the best player that ever lived. How would you describe how good he was when you played him that year? You know, Greedy, number one, I, 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 it's so important you said that because I've said that before. I thought the team with Horace Grant was better than the, the team that won three piece later. Uh, Michael, obviously, he's the greatest ever. I think we all agree on that. But I thought that Horace Grant was a better player than Dennis Rodman all around. Dennis was a great rebounder. He was a great defender. But as a basketball player, I thought Horace Grant was better. So uh, I 100% agree with you. I thought that team was better than the team that was repeated later. And when you look back on that, it was, it was such a classic series. It ends on a John Paxson three and you're building. Otherwise, you're going to a game seven. Who knows what would happen? I always wonder, all these years later, when you look back on that series, are you able to look back on it with pride and, and excitement and having been a part of it? Or is the pain of having lost it something that you never get past enough to really enjoy the experience? Well, number one, I never got over the pain. Uh, never got over the pain, still to this day. But the thing that bothers me the most was, and if you go back to game... Uh, uh, Michael talked about it in game in, in the, either game uh, series one or two. He says we were not ready to play game one against the Lakers. I did not have my team ready to play in game one. The moment was too big for us. I take full responsibility for that. I should have been more aggressive. I should have played better in game one. And uh, but. Michael said it in in, in, in uh, episode one or two. He said, when we played the Lakers for the first time, but they lost game one. They won every game after that, but they lost game one. He says, no, game one was too big for us. Game one was too big for us, and I take responsibility for that. Uh, because the, the other games were like, uh, even though we lost four to two, every other game we played well. But I, I, I've always felt bad that I did not have my team ready to play in game one and I take full responsibility for that. Guess who's with us now this morning, Charles? Say hello to Jalen Rose. Jalen, jump in here. What are your recollections of watching that final Sir Charles against Michael Jordan in 93? My recollections, good morning, Charles, is I want people to be able to, to distinguish between the best player and who had the best season. We know Michael Jordan is the best basketball player to ever do it. But Charles said something I think went over a lot of people's head. He played better than him that year. He was the MVP of the league. So, Charles, even this many years later, how do you feel when you continue to hear people say that Michael Jordan was the best player, so therefore he should have got the MVP every year? Well, you know, you know, Jalen, number one, I always think that it, I, I, first of all, I have to deal with this every year on my job on TNT. 
because, yeah, LeBron's been the best player, but Derrick Rose, Giannis, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, those guys guys had a better, better regular season. Like I say, Magic and Bird, first of all, let's get one thing straight. One thing that you guys should know about that documentary, Michael Jordan probably was the best player three or four years before he got MVP. Mm. He just didn't win enough games. So I always find it fascinating. It's the best player that season. Michael probably should have won the MVP three or four years before he actually won MVP. Uh, going back, remember he put up 60 on the Bulls. and th- he was uh, uh, Even when they lost uh, the great documentary in, in episodes three and four, he was the best player when they played against the, uh, the Detroit Pistons. But he did not have a great team. And uh, you get rewarded. But the, the, the regular season MVP goes to the guy who has, number one, the best regular season record most of the time. So I deserved it. No disrespect to Mike. Everybody knows he's the greatest ever. But that season, we had the best record in the NBA. And I deserved MVP, plain and simple. Yeah, so just a quick one from me today. Um, each I try and follow up on my show each week, you know, just give you little snippets of what's going on and what's happening around the league, around the world, the basketball universe and so forth. Um, Apologise, sometimes it feels like it's just a quick sh- snapshot of events. Um, if you've got any news or anything that's going on, do send me an email, infoblankscreenbooks at gmail.com or just check out my website, blankscreenbooks.com. Um, find the contact, there's a number on there also. So, yeah, happy to talk basketball as always, and um, hopefully you join in to the next show, the next episode, as they say. Um, this is Patrice Gordon. Speak to you soon. Take care. Peace. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just.